Hello, I'm Beatrice Valerie Nero, and you're listening to This is the Voice of the Prophet. I have walked in the office of the Prophet since God revealed the anointing he has placed on my life for close to 40 years. This podcast is a new territory that he has assigned me that I pray will be done as God ministers. The purpose of this podcast is to share the Word of God in a prophetic way under the anointing of the Holy Ghost as he ministers and speaks to my spirit as to when he would have me to speak to the listeners, you, his sons and daughters. It's also purpose to invoke open and honest conversation on the things that many people, especially Christians, don't want to talk about, which is racism in the body of Christ. I pray that God will use this podcast to enable us as his sons and daughters to talk about the elephant in the room that for too many years, pastors, teachers, and leaders have tried to sweep under the rug. You can help and support this podcast by telling your friends, families, co-workers, church members, and everyone you know about This is the Voice of the Prophet and how easy it is to tune in through any podcast server through this title. You can also help and support this ministry through your love and prayers. You can reach me with questions and comments by email at amyeagle at charter.net. That's A-M-I-T-E-E-A-G-L-E at C-H-A-R-T-E-R dot net. And finally, you can always reach me at my website at thevoiceoftheprophet.strikingly.com. And remember, if for some reason the podcast doesn't come through or to hear previous episodes, you can always reach This is the Voice of the Prophet on every and any podcast server. Thank you and God bless you. Now let's get into the word that God has for us for this week. We've all heard the question asked, what's in a name? We know that there are those who are called name droppers. They love to let everyone know who they know, possibly on a first name basis, and who knows them. It's so important to some people that everyone would know their name, no matter what their character, temperament, or mentality might be. To some, it's so important that their names be known that they're willing to do anything betray friendships, lie, and even commit crimes in order to be accepted by those that they consider to be the right people. Unfortunately, it doesn't matter to them why these people are known as long as they can attach their name or face to them. Many politicians use this tactic when running for office. If they can connect their campaign with the leader of their party, no matter what that leader's reputation might be, they'll do it. What matters to these type of people is that they become a household name where they are continually being talked about. We see billboards with names of attorneys, doctors, or some type of business so that people will learn their identities and even phone numbers by heart. 
The entire com purpose of commercials on television is so that people will see and remember the personas, products, and places. Their names must be known by all. I'm sure we've all seen billboards with the names and pictures of churches and pastors. But the one thing I must ask myself when I see this type of billboard is, what's the true purpose of these signs? Is it to draw people to them, their church, or to God? With the next question obviously being, what does God himself say about these signs? The important thing about knowing someone's name is that you should also know their character. There are names that we hear, even important names, but when we hear them, what do we think of the person who bears that name? What do people think of you when they hear your name? Exodus 33, 17 reads, and the Lord said to Moses, I will do everything you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. One of the things that I must admonish each and every one of us to remember is that God knows us by name. However, the question is, what does God know about you? What does he see concerning you when he hears your name? Moses and Israel didn't have the blood of Jesus, which provided grace at that time, but yet Moses found favor with God. Israel was still under the law, so therefore there was no grace, no unmerited favor. But yet in the 12th verse of that same chapter, Moses reiterated what God had told him, that he had found favor with God. What Moses had with God was covenant. Listening to that 12th verse again, it reads, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. I know you by name and you have found favor with me. What a statement to hear from God. Here's another question. What was it that Moses did that gave him favor with God and caused God to make such a statement? Yes, he had a covenant with God, but was that enough? Is it sufficient just to be able to say, I have a covenant with God? What is it that we can do that God will know us by name? In actuality, there's nothing that we need to do because we're all his sons and daughters and he knows each and every one of us, yes, by name. However, although we are all his sons and daughters, does that guarantee us favor with him? I believe that there's a way and a place that, God, that will cause God to tell us what he said to Moses. I know you by name and you have found favor with me. What did Moses do? As afraid and unsure of himself as Moses was, he came to a place with God where God could say those words to him. 
I remember that song that was so popular a few years back. I am not forgotten. God knows my name. I believe without a doubt that he knows each of us by name. Some of you know what I always say, especially to those who have problems with tattoos. God got the first tattoo because our names are engraved in the palm of his hand. He could never forget our names. And although he could never forget our names, and the fact is that he knows each of us by name, can we say that we found favor with him? Let me ask this question. What is your name to God? As a very young Christian, there were so many times that I would say to God, Father, let me see me as you see me. He didn't show me right away because he knew I wasn't truly ready for what I would see. But when I continued to pursue him on the topic, and when God knew it was time, he decided to let me see just a little. After what I saw, what God showed me at that time in my Christian walk, I have never asked him again. However, every once in a while, I think mostly to encourage and strengthen me, he will allow me just a little peek at myself. I can never thank him enough that I have come a very, very long way. I'm not perfect, not by a long shot, but I'm so far from the way I used to be. Basically, what I'm saying is that we should ask ourselves and God, how does he see us? We all know that although he sees us as we're going to be, there's still the reality of what we're presenting to him right now. How is he seeing us now in our present condition and circumstances? If God knows our name, then what does he think? What comes to his mind when he hears our names? Now we all know that without doubt that when he sees us, he sees the blood. But what about the rest of it? As stated before, Moses didn't have the blood of Christ to cover him. So what did God see about Moses that made him know Moses by name? What was it that caused him to have favor with God? What is it that God knows about you? What does he know about me that will cause us to have favor with him? When God told Moses that he knew him by name, what God was saying was that he knew Moses' character. He knew the reports about him. He had heard of his reputation. He knew his morals, honor, and integrity or lack thereof, if that might be the case. God knew the heart of Moses. Proverbs 26 and 27 in the easy to read version of the Bible says, your spirit is like a lamp to the Lord. He is able to see your deepest part. God sees our innermost parts and knows our deepest thoughts. So what does he think of us when he hears our names? We might ask ourselves, what is our reputation with God? In Acts 19, it shows us that Paul had a reputation with the demons. In the New International Version, at the 15th verse, it reads, one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know. 
But who are you? I would get so sick of people trying to prove how super spiritual and powerful they were by trying to cast out demons until it would literally make me want to puke. That's what the seven sons of Seba were doing, trying to prove how powerful they were through casting out demons. Of course, we know that the demons answered them, jumped on them, and beat them until they ran out of the house bleeding and naked. When someone has favor with God, they don't have to prove anything to demons or anyone else for that matter. When one has favor with God, they don't care who knows their name or how well their name is with the public. When one can say without a doubt that God knows their name and that they have favor with him, the rest doesn't matter. As I asked a moment ago, What's your reputation with God? In Job 1, the angels presented themselves to God and Satan came with them. But God to say to the enemy, have you considered my servant Job was only because God knew Job by name. He knew Job's character. He knew that Job was upright, blameless, and feared God. Job had a reputation among the angels of God, and I guarantee they talked about it. Revelations 12 and 10 reads, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. But the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accused them before our God day and night has been hurled down. If God allows the enemy to come before him accusing us, don't you think there's someone there before the throne of God exonerating us, making intercessions for us, and talking good about us? There's someone that's speaking on our behalf, telling the Father, reminding him of our faithfulness to him. We have a name before the Father, a reputation, prominence, and standing. No parent wants to hear of their child's wrongs, as wrong, bad, or deplorable as that child might be. The parent might listen, but they really don't want to hear it. But go to them and tell them what a good child they had. Honey, you're their new best friend. I can imagine that when the enemy comes before the throne with accusations against us, immediately Jesus says, Hey, Dad, have you seen the color that Beatrice is wearing today? It's called the blood of Jesus red. And then the angels begin to tell him of the things he wants to hear. I pray that they're saying things like, Well, Father, she's not perfect but she sure is trying to live a life that will glorify your name. I hope and pray that they're saying, you know, I think her faith has gone up an iota or so. Yet, there's some growth in her level of faith. We have to have a reputation, a name, and standing with God. The blood covers us all, but it's your reputation, character, 
and moral qualities with God that will bring you favor. It's your name that God knows you by and what your name says to him when he hears your name that will bring you favor. It's what he sees when he hears your name that will cause him to pour out or withhold his favor concerning you. Let's make sure that we're all on the same page. The favor that we're hearing about right now is not the same favor of grace that we know and understand as unmerited favor. Grace is favor we don't deserve, but we get because our Father loves us. That unmerited favor comes to us through the blood of the Lamb. But the kind of favor that God gave to Moses and the favor that he wants to bestow upon us comes through living lives that gives him glory. Again, the 12th verse reads that Moses reminded God of his words when God said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. In Luke 1, the 28th through 30th verse reads, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. In this particular chapter, the word favor is defined in the Strong's Greek Dictionary as for benefits, services, recompense, and rewards. There's a huge difference between promises and rewards. We can all stand on the promises of God, but it takes more to receive recompense and rewards from him. When the angel told Mary that she was highly favored, it meant to pursue with grace, compass with favor, and to honor with blessings. We should all want to live lives where God will pursue us with grace, compass us with favor, and honor us with blessings. There's a way, a different way to make our names known by God, a way to obtain his favor. The word no is the key. In Hebrew, the word no is yedet, no. It doesn't just mean familiarity. It's to be acquainted with. It's also to have knowledge of or to be wise concerning that thing or person. But I believe the most important and essential definition of the word yedet is carnally. Here the word denotes intimacy. Look at the 13th verse of Exodus 33 in the Amplified Version. I'm sorry, the Amplified Classic Version of the Bible. Again, this is Moses speaking to God. Now, therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with you, perceiving and recognizing and understanding more strongly and clearly, and that I may find favor in your sight. And Lord, do consider that this nation is your people. There are so many of us that know God, 
but not on the level of intimacy that he desires. We don't know him on a level that will cause us to progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. To do something progressively means to do it steadily over a period of time. It means that we don't just do it here for a little while and then when we're ready or feel the urge to do it again. To do it progressively means steadily without stopping in a regular and even manner. It's to maintain a momentum. If we want to have favor with God and see the glory of God, we must maintain the momentum of praise and worship to him. We must continually and regularly have a time of prayer and devotion to him. Not just emergency prayers or prayers of depression. It can't just be prayers of needs, but prayers of being in love. I once heard a pastor say that our prayers to God shouldn't be a honeydew list. When we pray, it's not just loving God, but being in love with him that denotes true intimacy. We must spend time with him in a regular and even manner. We must progressively become more intimately acquainted with him. Moses had an intimate, loving relationship with the Father. He was always in God's face, and it wasn't just to ask for what he wanted. It was obvious that he didn't just love God, but was in love with him. So it is with David and so many others in the word of God. It didn't matter what it cost them. They stayed in the presence of the King of Kings and they obtained favor. However, it was not until after Moses obtained favor that he saw God's glory. What we want to understand are the things that cause God to know people, not only by name, but when he heard their names, what caused them to have favor with him. Moses spent time with God. Many theologians believe that he spent 40 years in the desert tending sheep before he saw the burning bush. That time, the years and years in the desert before he saw the burning bush was the time he was spending with God. Therefore, we must understand that we must spend time with the Father consistent, uninterrupted time. Our time with him must be time of praise and worship in spirit and in truth. We must have pure hearts and right spirits before him. As you always hear me say, we must be sons and daughters of honor and integrity. Hypocrisy is something that God will not allow. A hypocrite is a liar. And God hates a lie. God honors character and morals. In order to receive favor with God, our covenants must be intact. And our obedience to him must be with our whole hearts. Let it be understood that we can have all of the promises of God according to the word of God. However, to have his favor is more than just a promise. To have favor is to have his kindness and is to be preferred above. 
Moses, David, Mary, the mother of Christ, and others in the Bible, not only had the promises, but they also had God's favor. We must fall in love with God, obeying him with our whole hearts and our whole souls, spending the quality time with him that he desires. We must be people of honor, integrity, morals, and character. We must seek him with all of our heart. We can't just love him, but we must be in love with him. Let us walk in complete covenant with him, and then we will find his favor upon our lives. I pray that this episode has been enlightening to each of you, and I pray that you will share it with others, encouraging your church members, families, friends, neighbors, and co-workers to listen to the podcast, This is the Voice of the Prophet, on any podcast server. Until next Monday, remember that I am praying for each and every person who listens, asking our Father's blessings and favor upon you. God bless each and every one of you, and thank you so much for listening. Our Lives.